0: And so I I decided to talk about fear this month um, simply because of today. It's Halloween. So it's October 31st. That's what we typically celebrate as Halloween. Um, I did a little research on it because I was curious where came in the whole idea of ghosts and goblins and scary things. And generally, um, the furthest one back, I'd heard of like All Hallows Eve and different Different concepts of it, but the one I found that seemed to be the oldest reference of where they believe it came from um, was, and I'm sure that if there's a historian here, they're going to tell me I pronounce this wrong. <laughs> but it's I've got the Gaels or the the Gael's, I don't know, it's G A E L S. Um, that they believe that between the fall and the winter, and that ended up being falling on October 31st, it, it, you know, comparatively. That the world, that the walls between the worlds were thin, that the veil between the spiritual world and the physical world was at its thinnest, and so there was a fear that those, you know, those evil, mean spirits were going to come and get them, and there was that fear that, you know, it was, it was, they, they, they were going to be attacked and possibly even killed by these spirits coming over from the spirit world. And so they would dress up as ghosts and ghouls and goblins and all those you know, skeletons and things so that the thought was that the spirits would think they were already dead and would leave them alone and that if they were really scary, then the spirits wouldn't even come near them. And so it was actually it's kind of interesting that something that we've now made into a celebratory holiday was largely initially an act of um, trying to find safety trying to um, protect themselves from an unknown, fearful entity that was out to get them. And so that's kind of where I decided to come up with, um, or get, decided to come with this topic for today, or for this, this month. And so I'm going to give you a few quotes. I said a little bit of review. Um, the actual portion that's new today um, doesn't have a lot of quotes with it. It's more of an experiential thing I want to share with you. But in the meantime, I I want to do a little bit of review. Oops, I missed the reference there. That was Chapter 2 there. And it says, everyone experiences fear and no one enjoys it. Yet it would take very little right thinking to realize why fear occurs. Very few people appreciate the power of the mind and no one remains fully aware of it all the time. The mind is a very powerful creator and it never loses its creative force. It never sleeps every instant it is creating. And so largely just simply put, where does fear come from? It comes from our mind. Now there is a lot of ways of perceiving that. There's a lot of ways of looking in at that. You know, of course, the t- course talks about that we are um, that the world we experience is a projection of our thoughts. So that's one way to always look at it, um, that our fears, you know, we're, we're, we're fearful because of what we're experiencing. And so in this instance, you know, there's a thought of, well, you know, if I wasn't creating the world around me as it is, I wouldn't be in fear. Um, and i am just put a little link up there that is actually a link to my, a blog I did a few weeks ago, um, where I talked about what does it mean that the mind creates? What does it mean when the course talks about the mind creating? What's that mean? And there's a couple passages. There's one in particular that I reference in that um, blog, which is at kellyhallock.com, and it's called My, My Mind Alone Does Not Create My Experience. Um, and I talk about there's a particular passage of the course but I would say supports the idea that there is, you know, the conscious mind that which we are working with at this moment. It's what's listening to my voice. It's what I'm, you know, thinking through. There's what you know you might call the subconscious mind, um, or in that particular passage that's in the blog, it talks about the unconscious mind. And I think most of us are familiar with that concept of, um, you know, it's those thoughts and beliefs that we hold as apparently individual beings that maybe we're not thinking about, per se, but that significantly affect our experiences. But then I think the Course also talks about in the passage is the, um, I, I've heard called the superconscious mind, the omniconscious mind. I would just call it the mind of God, the mind of spirit. Um, and so I do share in that blog that I think what it talks about the mind creating our experience, that kind of falls into all three of those categories. But the one that we can most readily work with, obviously, is the conscious mind, that I'm able to look at my thoughts, I'm able to look at what I'm thinking, and um, try to impact that based on what I do and what I think. I'm going to actually skip that little part there. Um I put that actually two quotes here. So we, you know there is fear and we all experience fear. And I would say fear often masks itself behind other emotions, behind other feelings. And yet when you really say like I'm angry at this person, if you go back far enough, it's often fear. I'm hurt, it's often fear. Just, you know, it's fear fear in a Halloween costume. And so the Course says, what's the solution to fear? And right in the beginning, you know, very, very first, <laughs> very first chapter, it says, if perfect love casts out fear. And if fear exists, then there is not perfect love. But only perfect love really exists. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. So ultimately, you know, and I, there's passages like this where I look at it and I say, okay, so fear doesn't really exist, that's great. Totally believe it. And yet at the same time, let's be honest, how many of us are living fear-free lives? I live a lot of fearful life, but I don't live fear-free very often. And so there is that part, it's like, okay, well, it doesn't exist. I know some people find comfort in that. For me personally, I find it a nice idea, but it is still my experience that there is fear. But it says perfect love casts out fear. And so, you know, I talked last week about, well, what's perfect love? And, of course, what does the Course say right in the intro? The Course doesn't aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is Fear but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. So that's, again, saying, you know, fear doesn't exist, but, you know, we may have the experience of it. So how does it get cast out? Through love. And yet the Course talks about it's one of those things that we can't really define. And so there's a lot of people that will debate, you know, what's that mean? Um, you know, I think a lot of it for me, of well, my friends had a saying, and they would always say, we are all one. That oneness is God and God is love. And it's like, how do you define God? How do you define that? It's beyond the definable. And yet, I think we really do have an experience of what we believe that is. I may not be able to tell you what it means to be perfect love, but I think when we have that experience, and of course, we'll talk about love is often seeing the unity with my brother, seeing the connection with my sister, and when we have that experience, we know it, even if we don't necessarily have the ability to define it as well as maybe we would like to, and so that was the first couple of weeks, and there's, all these, all my talks are up on my blog, or actually on my website, um, which is again, Kelly Halleck, K-E-L-L-Y, Halleck, H-A-L-L-O-C-K. kcom for those of you who are on PalTalk right now, you had put that link up a few minutes ago with the blog address. <clears throat> Sorry. There we go. Um, so yeah, so then the thought is, OK, well, I'm living in a state of fear a lot of times. I am upset a lot of times. Where do I go with that? And since I kind of want to focus on a little bit <clears throat> of some processes to end the month of, that you can look at to use to address fear in your life and look at what's the cause of the fear and where can you release the fear, which all, like I said, fear is coming from our thinking. And I think that's definitely course-based, a couple of paragraphs up above. But there's going to be, you may find that one process works really well for you for releasing fear and then it may be that something else doesn't work at all and that's totally fine and it's why I'm going to actually go over several different processes that you might want to use and if you think, oh, that's, that's a silly one, I, I would never do that, then great, hang on and listen for the next one <laughs> um, and I'll give you some links also. If you find that, you know, a bunch of them work for you, use what works for you. Um, and just know that that is, you know, one of my friends says, it's God being God. It's God Godding itself. It's God expressing itself differently from in you than it's expressing itself in me. And so don't feel like you have to take all of these. Don't feel like you need to do that but take whatever would support you best in your journey. And if you have something, if i either mentioned one and you've got an experience on it, I would love to hear you share that. Um, and if you want to just type, I can always read that. Or if you want to, like I said, if you want the microphone, I'll give you that too. So this one we talked about a little bit. It's just the why of the why of the why, which is simply asking why and not to I'll say don't go into the why of why did this happen if you're in a space of I'm asking why and I'm trying to analyze this situation and I'm trying to why did it happen this way you'll kind of drive yourself crazy <laughs> let's be honest Yeah, you know, how many times do you just you get you get stuck in that why did the person do this why did the person do that I'm not talking about asking why about circumstances. I'm suggesting asking why about your thoughts. Why am I afraid? So an example, I'm trying to think of one right offhand. Um, I have family members visiting in in about a week. They have not come and seen me in probably like over 15 years. I've gone out and seen them, but these family members have not seen me at my home. There's been a little fear around that. And then I was like, why am I, why am I nervous about my family coming to see me? I see them several times a year. I um, talk to them daily on the phone. So why am I afraid? Not uh, why is like, yeah. Look at Humble Boo Bear says, not why as a child cries, but why? But why is an inquiry into something deeper? Absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. So I'm questioning why am I nervous about my family coming? And I realize I'm nervous because there have been instances where I have felt judged for my spiritual practice by family members. And when you walk into my apartment, the first thing you see is a tree I did about self-love when I was reading a book over the summer on loving yourself. You walk a couple more feet, and I've got some Asian I forget, food dogs. They're called food dogs. Um, on the floor, they're guarding against evil spirits, supposedly, is, is the history of those. Um, you walk a little further, and I have a meditation area. My meditation area has Mother Mary and Buddha and Kuan Yin on it and a bunch of crystals, and I've got a meditation cushion and a meditation bench. And you walk a little further, and I've got a picture that says love. It's just the word love on the wall. You go to my bookcase, and my bookcase is four shelves of spiritually focused books. Um, and I realized my fear is my family's going to judge me. And I thought, well, why does it matter? And so now the next why was, well, why does it worry me that my family will judge me? Well... I'm worried about being judged by them because I'm afraid of losing my relationships with them. I have a fear of being alone. And so there's that fear like, well, if they see you know, if they see all my weird crystals and spiritual stuff, they might reject me. And what if they reject me? And so then I go one step further. Well, why am I afraid of being alone? What if they did reject me? And I think ultimately every time you get into the why of the why of the why, it comes back to our lack of understanding who we are as a child of God. But we usually don't see that on the surface. We think, I'm worried that my family going to reject me. But that's not the heart of it. The heart of it is coming back to the spiritual principles of what spiritual principle am I not really engaged with right now? What spiritual principle am I not really living right now? So I love this. Humble Pooh Bear Phil said, why as an inquiry into something deeper? You're taking it beyond the surface level emotion to why am I feeling this way? And what is really the core thought? What is the core belief that is here to be healed? I use that one a lot. I use it a lot. I use it a lot because it gets me past the imminent emotion to what I really need to be looking at to heal. So here's a second one. Is there a thought that would support me more than the thought which I am currently holding? This largely comes from, um, yeah, exactly. Um, This comes from Byron Katie, and I'm going to put up a little link there. Um, Her website's thework.com. I'm going to give you lots of references today so that if there's anything you want to check out, you can. So her website's thework.com. And I kind of summarize. This is going further into her work. First, her work starts off with, is this true? And the second question is, is this, do I really know this is true? And that's especially when there is a judgment embedded in the fear. I don't think things should happen this way. I think this person is wrong. And you go into the Byron Katie work, and the link I gave just gives you a really great little worksheet. It's under her download section that takes you through all the steps that she has related to questioning our thoughts. If our fear is a projection of our thoughts, if our fear is the creation of our thinking, then, you know, how do we get out of the fear? We look at our thoughts. And this is a really good method she uses. You know, start off with, is it true? Do I really know? I'm trying to think. What's one? Okay, here's one. My ex. I've been a little afraid to see my ex since we separated. There were some things that happened shortly after we separated that made me a little afraid of him. And so I've had this fear of I don't want to run into my ex because I'm afraid he's going to hurt me if he sees me. Well, do I know that's true? Well, technically, he's never actually hurt me. We were, when we were married, he was never physically abusive. Things I've seen during certain times were bizarre, but I don't know that he would hurt me. And so my fear is coming from the story of, based on his actions being a little bit odd, I'm afraid that he would do something irrational. It's been like five years since we've been separated. So the Byron Katie work goes through and helps you say, okay, do I really know the thought is true? But then the second part, or actually the third and fourth part of it, is she says, how do I feel when I hold that thought, and how would I feel without that thought? When I hold the thought, I'm afraid of my ex being physically you know, violent if I was to see him. It makes me worried. It makes me scared. It makes me... Um, angry that he acted the way he did. It makes me think that I'm not safe in certain circumstances. Um, for a while, I would not get gas when I was traveling at a truck station, at a truck stop, because he was a truck driver. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, what if I run into him at a truck stop? Um, and so there were times when I drove when I probably needed gas, but I wouldn't stop at a truck stop because I had this fear That was really just my taking a thought and extending it outward. And so you look and you say, is there a thought that would support me more than the thought I'm currently holding? Instead of saying, I'm afraid my ex is going to harm me, would a thought be, I know that all things work out and have a happy ending? I know that all things are gently planned by spirit for my good. If I can release the thought, I can think he was going through a rough time, but he's probably gotten his life together now and is doing better. That's a much happier thought. That's a thought I can think of. I can release the fear that he's going to hurt me, trust that God's protecting me, trust that spirit's with me trust that over the last five years he's probably grown and to work with that thought is a lot happier and it's a way of letting go of fear. Like I said we do lots and lots today. <laughs> lots of processes. So It's our last day on fear and some of these I'm sure we'll come back to because a lot of these processes are good with other things going on with our lives and um, but I'm going to give you this one. This is one I've learned. and I've heard her reference as sitting under the bridge. The person that shared this with me initially had a horrible fear that he was going to lose all his money, end up out on the street, and living under a bridge. <laughs> um, you know, and the fact that he had tons of friends and family, you know, that, that, that was irrelevant. He was like, I'm going to be under a bridge someday. And so the process simply is, can we sit with our worst fear? Can we sit with that which scares us and allow ourselves to feel like what it would be if that happened? I'll say, last, last year I lost a job, and I ended up losing pretty much all my friends and my church, and I, I pretty much lost everything last year that I loved. It was the absolute worst case scenario for me. And I hadn't predicted it. And I had never sat with what happens if I lose everything. And I'll say I've come to a different point now. There's days when I think, oh, I'm afraid that, you know, what if the same thing happened again? <laughs> and I can now sit with that and say, well, if, if I lost everything today, could I survive that? what do I need to be happy? Do I need a specific job to be happy? Do I need a certain income to be happy? Do I need a certain living situation to be happy? Now, I'll say I've got preferences. I personally like living alone in a one-bedroom apartment. I personally love the job I'm at currently. Um, I love the people at Community Miracle Center. But Can I, if I was to lose everything today, can I sit with that, allow myself to feel the loss, and then say, but God is still with me? Can I find that happiness from within? And if the answer is yes, if the happiness is within, if the kingdom of God is within us, and we can reach into that space of trusting that, of knowing that the infinite being loves us, then we can let go of the fear because there's nothing to fear if we've got everything we need within. This next one's one that I'll say some people love, some people don't, some people struggle with it. Cindy, was that a question mark? Humble, Bear give me a heart. And Cindy's got a question mark, parentheses, exclamation. So if you have a question, go for it and um, let me know. I can't even give you the microphone, Cindy, if you have a question. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm driving. I'll stop. No question. Ah! <laughs> Absolutely no problem, Cindy. I love that you are driving and with us while you're driving. Um, drive carefully, though. Don't close your eyes during meditation or anything like that. That's awesome. <laughs> and don't stop. Just be safe, okay? Um, so I just have a link. It's called The Golden Key by Emmett Fox. Now, Emmett Fox is, oh, my goodness, I forgot how many years, many, many years. He wrote this um Prior to the Course of Miracles being published, um, he's basically a Christian mystic, and the Golden Key give you the summary of it, and it can be challenging. Um, and I give you just a very simple one. Some people put a lot of extra commentary on it. Um, basically, simply Emmett Fox says, "How do you get your mind off of worry? How do you get your mind off of situations that you don't like?" Simply, you think God. You think God. You think God. You think about what God is. Um, I may read just one little paragraph here. He says, we have said that the golden key is simple, and so it is. But, of course, it is not always easy to turn. If you are very frightened or worried, it may be difficult at first to get your thoughts away from material things but by constantly repeating some statement of absolute truth that appears to, appeals to you, such as, there is no power but God, or I am the child of God, filled and surrounded by the perfect peace of God. God is love. God is guiding me now. Or perhaps best and simple of all, just God is with me. However mechanical or dead it may seem at first, You will soon find that the treatment has begun to take and that your mind is clearing. So he's saying, you know, a lot of times we get tangled up in our thoughts. We get so focused on the experience that we're having in this world that we forget what God is. We forget that spirit is there for us. We forget that we are children of God, that God is the Father who we've never left in heaven. And so Emmett Fox, and like I said, even though he's not you know, he was before a Course in Miracles. And he's he, he's classified as a Christian mystic. He says, turn your thoughts away. Stop stop wallowing in the worry. Stop swimming around in the muck. Let it go. And start thinking about a truth related to God that supports you. I use a mantra, and it's not related to God specifically, but it is in the sense of when I say it, I remember that I'm one with God. I have It's a three-piece mantra. I say, I am peaceful, I am free, I am love, and I am loved. I guess it's four pieces if you count it that way. Um, and if I'm getting really stressed out or upset, I can say that mantra repeatedly, and it brings me to the space of like, oh, wait, let me get away from my story, let me get away from my worry, let me get away from my doubts, and focus on what's real, and realize that whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm experiencing at this moment, I can release because God is love, and I'm at peace, and I'm not being tangled up in all of this other craziness that seems to be here. You know, some people, I, I've got mala beads. Some people like to just sit with mala beads and use one or two words. It says there's 108 mala beads because that's supposedly the number of deceptions of the heart. Sometimes it's great just to sit with a stack of mala beads, and I've got a stack, and I just simply say, I am love. And for me, like I said, God is love. So that reminds me of my oneness with spirit. I'll just sit there 108 times and say, I am love, I am love, I am love, I am love. And regardless of what challenges me at that time, to come back to that truth releases a lot of fear. Kind of looking too. I got a few. I still got more. <laughs> Um, I'm a big fan of journaling. I'm a big fan of journaling. Um, And I would say always if you have a journal, you know, be willing. If if you have someone you can share it with, that's great. If you don't, that's okay. Some people say, well, I don't like journaling. I don't know what to write. Write complete stream of consciousness. If you're upset, and I'll share kind of a little funny one with you, When I was journaling prolifically, at one point I was going through like a journal a month. um, Was in the middle of when I was releasing a lot of weight from my body, and I was going through a lot. That's why I was going through my divorce. I was having problems at work. Um, I don't even remember what else was going on. It was it was it was a tough time. Um, And there was times, especially with the divorce, I would just be so mad at my ex. Um, At the time, he wasn't my ex. And I would start journaling, and I would be like, you know, he's a jerk, and he said this, and he he did this, and da 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 da. And then, literally, right in the middle of it, I remember because it's so funny. I didn't know it until I went back and read it. I was like, he's such a jerk, and I can't believe he he yelled at me today, and we're getting divorced, and couldn't he be nice to me? And dot dot dot. Oh my gosh, my butt looks really good in the mirror, and I'm still pissed off at him. <laughs> I mean, that literally was my journal, was I was so angry at him, and then I glanced over the mirror, and I was like, oh, my derriere looks really small. (laughs) Um, And when I'm saying journaling, consciousness, you know, stream of consciousness, I'm talking about literally whatever pops into your brain, write it down. Now, what I always recommend to people who I say do journaling to is you don't stop unless one of two things happens which is one at some point, and this is what I found most of the time, and it may have taken me five, six, eight pages sometimes journaling, eventually you write it out and you start realizing as you're writing how crazy the thoughts are. How insane. Yeah, my husband, you know, was being a jerk that day. But that's how he had been for years. Why did I think getting a divorce was going to suddenly change his whole personality and make him the sweet, loving man who totally treated me with respect? That doesn't even make sense. That's crazy thinking. And partway through, I'd go, oh, yeah, that was crazy. And then I would be like, well, why does that even bother me? And then I'd be like, oh, because I'm mad at myself, you know, or something. But journal until you get to the point where you've either worked it out, or there's times when you maybe you're not going to work it out in one writing. But you work it out as far as you can. There's times when I was just like, okay, I know my thoughts are crazy. I'm still not feeling totally over this. But I'm exhausted. It's 3 in the morning when I would wake up and journal half the time. So there's times when you close the journal. What you don't do is say, well, this is painful, so I'm going to walk away. I'm going to pretend that this feeling doesn't exist. I'm going to pretend the fear is not there. Journal it out until you feel like spirit has led you as far as you can get that day. Blackie, bye, Blackie. Thank you for being here, Blackie, just so they got to leave now. So hugs and love. Um, let me look up real quickly. J- Cindy, and I, I, I like to read these because if anybody listens to the recordings later, Cindy says, morning pages, three full pages, Julia Cameron. I did that for four years. You just wrote, you're on, wrote, okay, I think there's something here. You're on no street, no periods, no explanations, just write. I still haven't opened my shield. Him, it would be interesting to read. Yeah, it's interesting to go back and see those old journals. Um, I actually at some point would like to write a book, and I transcribed about 20 journals into digital form. Um, and the beauty of that is you get to see the growth, and you get to be like, oh, my gosh, I, I, so much is healed. And look at all the amazing stuff that's happened. And, oh, my gosh, the spiritual practice works. And then there's also those moments where you look back at a journal and you go, oh, snap, it's the same thing. <laughs> and you're, you're like five years ago, I was saying the same stuff I'm saying now. Um, <laughs> and so that's always an experience to recognize. Um Some of the funny stuff that happens because you realize there's stuff you maybe have healed and you've released, and then there's that gosh darn it stuff that you realize um, you haven't released, that you are hanging on to it with everything you got. There's actually two links there I just put up for you. Oh, and I missed a T. That is supposed to be Tonglen. Um, Tonglen. Yeah, there. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, sometimes in Tonglen, I actually work with it t- a, a couple of different ways. Tonglen is actually a Buddhist practice, um, and I put up two links there. One is just do a PDF if you want to Google it. It's T-O-N. G-L-E-N, and then I also gave you a YouTube link. If you Google Tonglen Pema, P-E-M-A, children, C-H-O-D-R-O-N, great Buddhist teacher, New York Times bestseller, American, which is kind of an interesting thing, and she is hysterically funny, Um, very blunt, very honest, um, really, really beautiful spirit wrote the book called When Things Fall Apart, which is really a powerful teaching about not clinging to how you think things should be. But she talks about Tonglen, and Tonglen is actually a meditation practice. Um, I'm just suddenly thinking. I'm like, I should teach this in my meditation class someday. Offers, um, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm like, why did I just get a security bulletin? Um, I have no clue what that was. Um, so Tonglen is a meditation practice, and it's a breathing in and it's a breathing out. Now, it's very important that you breathe both ways. Um, some people tend to just breathe in, and they, they forget the second half of it. But Tonglen is a practice of breathing in a feeling and then exhaling the feeling, releasing it. And so you think of yourself like, okay, I'm, a, I, I'm in fear. I'm going to breathe in the fear. But then I'm also exhaling and releasing the fear. I'm inhaling the fear. Okay, yep, I'm feeling it. I'm afraid. And I'm going to release the fear. And allow yourself to have both the inhale, the, the acknowledgement of the emotion, the acknowledgement of the feeling, and also the releasing of the feeling. Realizing that it doesn't have to stay trapped in you. It's not you. It's just a feeling. It's an experience. So you breathe it in, you breathe it out. You can do that for a loved one. You may say, oh, I know my loved one um, is suffering. My brother-in-law has um, some health challenges right now, and I know that's been very hard for him. Um, And so I can breathe in, okay, I'm going to breathe in the pain he's going through, but then I'm exhaling the pain, knowing that he is healed. You can do the practice for somebody maybe who you feel neutral to. You can do the practice for all beings is the teaching of the Buddhist teachings. And then also I put and quote, quote, an enemy. And sometimes when you breathe in what – Cindy says I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, when you breathe in, maybe you know your enemy. I'm thinking of one person in my life who's a very challenging person for me to deal with. As far as I believe, the person is using drugs, the person is doing a lot of stuff that's very self-destructive. There's times where I'll meditate using the Tonglen approach, and I'll breathe in. I'll say, okay, I'm going to breathe in the pain and the hurt that they're hiding with drugs, and I'm exhaling the need to use the drugs. And it allows you also to not only release the emotion, but especially if you're doing it for someone who's maybe challenging for you, it supports you in being compassionate because you're able to feel your unity, your oneness with them. They're just expressing their fears in a way maybe you wouldn't. But when you're able to breathe it in and say, oh, they, they, they have this fear, but I'm going to release that fear for them, you can also feel a lot of compassion. And it can really help you move from a point of judgment to a point of understanding that we're all going through the same crap. (laughs) We're all one mind. We're all one spirit. And the experience we're having here just is manifesting and showing up in different ways. But it's still your brother. It's still your sister. It's still one who's one with you. And so you can do the Tonglin practice, I said, for yourself. I'm feeling fear, but I'm releasing fear. You can do it for others. You can do it for um, people you know. You can do it for people you don't know. You can do it for um, maybe areas that are, you know, going through war, whatever. But it's a chance to release, feel the emotion, release, acknowledge the emotion, release the emotion, and also to create unity and relationship with people just through the practice of it. And I'm going to give you this last one that I've got here. I'll say not my favorite, but I'm actually reading a book right now called Soul Psychology. Um, It's by a psychologist who basically was saying Course in Miracles, saying different things, and said, yeah, I love psychology, but it doesn't go far enough, basically. Um, And so he wrote a book called Soul Psychology, and it integrates spiritual practices into psychological studies. And he likes doing, like, just, and when I say acknowledge, I mean he's not talking about, like, oh, gee, I'm angry. He's talking about the whole hit the pillow, scream, yell, throw stuff, cuss, whatever, whatever floats your boat. He says acknowledge it and then either acknowledge it to the point where you're like, okay, I'm worn out, I'm done with this, Or he says, create a time limit. Maybe you're like, well, if I go into that emotion, I could be there for five years. Maybe acknowledge the emotion and give yourself maybe 30 minutes to cuss the person out or to be angry or to be in fear. And then at the end of that time, say, okay, okay, I'm done expressing that. I don't need to go back into that. I know it's not my real, you know, it's not the truth of who I am as a child of God. It's not the truth of my experience. It's the stories I'm making up in my thoughts. I'm gonna let it go. Yeah. Cindy says, Yeah, at least you're in control of it. Exactly. And that's the one thing he says with this, and thank you for mentioning that, Cindy, is he says, You know, don't do that obviously. <laughs> like if you're in the middle of the market and somebody runs over your toe with the with the with their cart, don't start screaming hysterically and throwing things in the middle of the market. <laughs> But he's saying, you know, get it out. When you're in a safe environment, when you're in a safe place, acknowledge what you're feeling. There's no, we don't need to be like, oh, those emotions are bad. I would see them as road signs. They're kind of more, emotions are there to show us where we can go for healing and what we can go to look at our, you know, maybe beliefs we have that are false. But they don't have to be good or bad. They just are what you're experiencing. I think of as a little road sign showing us where we should be heading to. So as I say, if anybody wants to, I, I do if anybody else had any comments. Um, that's a little swear. <laughs> um, but I'll do just a couple little announcements, and if you want to share or say anything else, give me a wave, or you can just post it and I can read it. Um, but I do want to give you a couple of links here, and then we'll close it. Like, I always like to close with a little blessing. So I already gave you, but I'm going to give it to you again because, hey, it's my website. Is, um, that's just my personal website. It's, it's There are some you know, kind of cool little recipes for you know, maybe some healthier eats here and there. Um, there's also, I usually blog weekly. Every talk, either in person is video or audio recording here, is on my website, as is um, different services I offer. I might be actually offering a class in January, but I haven't decided on that yet. But if I do, it will be there. Um, so that's that one, miracles-course.org. That is, of course, the Community Miracle Center here in San Francisco. There's a gazillion things there to check out. Um, we have a bookstore with over 300 Course and Miracles-related items. We have the 2018 conference registration is going on now. There's going to be links soon for all of our ministers who are ordained through our program to have their pro, their gather video or recordings there. Um, we also offer classes and lots of other stuff going on at Community Miracle Center. So those are two websites. You know, I would totally love you check those out and let us you know contact us if you have any questions or anything we can do. And not seeing anybody else waving or chatting. Um, I want to say thank you for, especially, especially I say, Phil, Phil the Pooh Bear and Cindy. I love you guys participating. I'm really glad you were here. Um, I'd like to offer just a little blessing before we go, and we'll do that. So if you feel led, put your hand on your heart. I'm just giving gratitude and thanks for everything we have in our lives, giving gratitude and thanks for all the people who are present here today, for the people who are supporting and making this possible for ACM Gather to create a platform for us to join together. Just wanting to release any thoughts of fear, of worry, maybe be able to integrate some of these practices into our lives so that we can know the perfect love, is our true nature, that perfect love is all that we have. The perfect love is who we are, and there's no reason to fear. And so we just thank, say thank you, and with grace and gratitude, we let it be. Amen. So love you. Thank you, Jesse, Jackie, and Reverend Tony, who's actually like a room away from me, so thank you. Um, I believe right now my, my plan is for next month, the month of November, that um, the topic is going to be being grateful amidst turmoil. How do we find a place of being grateful and thankful when maybe it doesn't seem like things are going so great? So that's going to be the topic um, for November, December. I'm thinking about doing something about releasing those things that challenge us. So I haven't fully decided on that. But I do believe November is going to be being grateful amidst turmoil It's going to be the topic. So. Yeah, right in time with the election. <laughs> oh, Phil, I wasn't even thinking that one. But, yeah, that works, too. The election, how to be grateful amidst the election. Um, and, yeah, I, I just keep telling myself, I know a lot of people are talking about the election. I'm like, whatever happens, happens, and I'm going to trust it will all work out. Um, you know, it will be an experience either way. So, <laughs> So thank you guys so much. I believe I'm the last sh- – Program for the night. So I'm so grateful for you all being here. Bill says the birds will still sing the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. November 2nd is not the apocalypse. I'm, j- I'm just predicting that right now. It's, it's all going to be good in the morning. <laughs> so um, blessings to you all and thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you either next week here. I'm here at 4 p.m. or 7 Eastern on Mondays. Um, I'm also the sound technician for the Community Miracle Sunday service, and that's at 2 o'clock Eastern on Sundays or 11 Central. So thank you, Lynn. Love you, and everybody have a good night. Bye-bye.